Father God, we thank you that you are victorious in that war. You have defeated our enemy, even though he rises up in rage and rancor against us, Father God, against your people, against your church, against the remnant in every way. Father, you have brought truth and victory. And I pray today that you tuck each one who listens into the safety of the palm of your hand, that they will know that they are loved, not just feel it, but know it and that they will be strong and steadfast in that love. They will not waver, Father, in the fiery trials uh, that are surrounding them or that they are immersed in. Father, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and understand the wiles of Satan and how he is using chaos and pain and suffering to try to dismantle the church of Jesus Christ, which is the very thing that you are using to build it, Father. And so, We give you praise, we give you glory that you do all things well, and we thank you, Lord, for the divine protection over all of us, that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that those who are incensed against us will cease to exist, they'll be as a non-existent thing, and all of their curses, their words, their prognostications, their attacks, assaults against us will fall to the ground, covered with the blood of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for giving us now your wisdom. I bind every spirit of confusion. May we understand, may Satan not be able to snatch these things and, cons- and, and constructs and cons- uh, under, out of our minds, out of our understanding, Father. May, may they be used by you to water the seed, the work that you, the planting. We are the planting of the Lord, that you would water us, Lord, even as you water us with suffering and chastening, that you would bring us to the place of rich fulfillment and fruitfulness, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, amen. I, I thought you were going to start talking. <laughs> oh, well, I've got a lot to say. I know. <laughs> you know. And I'm a little stirred up today. So, well, we're, you know, we're both, I'm riding my horse fast today. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're both stirred up today. Yeah. And we've been talking about this subject of uh, suffering. Yeah. And uh, you got some things you wanted to share about that, or should I read well, First Peter chapter 4 first? Uh, let me just say this real, as a kind of opening. So, you know, if suffering is everywhere. And the depth and intensity of suffering is increasing in our lives personally, in our relationships, and in the world around us. And this could be a terrifying thing, but it can also be a very good thing in that it is, is, it's a very clear evidence that Satan is pounding on the people of God. He is trying to ma- smash and mash us into the ground. But the very thing always that Satan is doing to try to crush us is the very thing God is doing to make us. Satan is trying to break you with those sufferings. And I've heard and reports are coming in that the the pain and suffering, the craziness is intensifying on every level, whether it's health or finances or relationships or or just even, am I going to survive today? Those kinds of things are just intensifying. Well, another thing is all the natural disasters. I mean, the weather and all the right. you know earthquakes and the earth is suffering. The earth is suffering. It's mm-hmm. groaning and travailing. I mean, all over the world, they're the most horrendous, horrific, yeah, we, yeah. physical disasters, weird weather, so, yeah. um, destruction of people's homes and 
and lives and people having to flee wars and mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. just like the lord said it was going to be in the last of yeah. the last of the last days yeah. and so you know the thing is i think the whole earth like you said is travailing waiting for the revelation of the sons of god that would be us to come forward to be um established as as the kingdom of god on earth is coming and so we're suffering from the evil and the foolishness and the and the the control the wickedness of other people we're suffering from injustices and the human uh, conflicts and the and the physical and environmental calamities all of these things but jesus also wants us to understand how to operate in this place of suffering we could go on the whole hour and never even touch the surface of how many ways people are suffering with fear with shame be being isolated being falsely accused um not even being able to receive nourishment daily food i mean it's everywhere so jesus um what also suffered he suffered for us he was struck down um and he laid down his life he suffered pain death that we could live and it says and so paul is talking in in philippians he talks about entering into the fellowship of his suffering so we're talking about those who are you know suffering for righteousness sake at this point they're entering in, and and paul counts that as a great privilege he counts that as one of his best things as he can he can deny himself and follow the lord and enter into the fellowship of his suffering although that is not fun and we see you know the the truth of that that all of us who live godly in Christ Jesus are going to suffer persecution and one of the things just one more thing and i'm kind of jumping all over the place but you know, it's very interesting in First Peter chapter 4, he says in verse 1, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. In other words, you know, don't think it's strange that this is also going to happen to you. For he who suffer has suffered has in the flesh has ceased from sin. You know, people who are suffering, their focus becomes very um, focused. I mean, it's every everything is about the, the what's what going on. Going through, yeah. yeah. And, and what, what is God teaching me? What do I want to know? And the struggle, I think, in your battle with suffering, whether it's pain or I- illness or injustice or, or, you know, and there's many different ways that suffering can come to us. The big battle is where is God in all of this? What is God doing? Why is he letting this happen? Why is it, doesn't it stop? Why isn't God answering my prayer? And that's probably the biggest part of the frustration of suffering is, Where is God? You know, because we believe, we want to believe, and we do believe that God is good and always good, but not everything looks like or makes God look like he's good all the time. And that's Satan's whole point. Yeah. In in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Beloved, think it not strange Mm -hmm. concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. It's like, you know, this is some. This is par wow, for the course, actually. This is par for the course. Yeah. He says, but rejoice. Wow. Rejoice. Mm-hmm. Rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. So, Christ, a lot of Christ's sufferings mm-hmm. came. In a, you know, as we, as believers, let's talk about us as uh, believers. And, and how Christ suffered. What did he, first of all, what did he suffer? Well, part of the things that he suffered was that the people that uh, were around him mm-hmm. that were, um, they that were, didn't understand him, they didn't understand him, they were blind, they were ignorant, uh, they were fearful. They were they, mean. They were mean, they <laughs> felt threatened, uh, they were bound with religious, they accused him. religious yeah. spirits, and they just, just came they after him. They rejected him. 
he was despised and rejected of men. So, mm-hmm. and, most, and there was like they built a wall around. I mean, uh, he wanted to preach the truth, the kingdom of God, the, the kingdom of God coming to earth, and they did their best through the powers of darkness to build a wall all around him and to block the people from the message of hope, the message of salvation. But Jesus, in the midst of his suffering, coming here, he must have suffered seeing what we were going through, and he picked up that same suffering, you know, in the human body being tired and and hungry and all those kinds of things. But, you know, in spite of what the devil did, he didn't take it personal. He just kept pushing through and healing the people and giving them hope. I think that was the thing Satan was most trying to stop uh, in this message of Jesus coming was the hope. Is this the is this the guy? Is this the hope? Is this the Messiah? Is this the one we've been waiting for? And and the people had been uh, trained for hundreds of years to look for this Messiah, look for this blessed hope, look for this Redeemer. Even Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives. You know, uh, they were way back then already looking for this Redeemer. Yeah, So the but they were looking for him in the wrong sort of way. They were thinking, okay, everybody had their own interpretation of mm-hmm. what this Messiah was supposed to be. One of the things that they said was that he was going to be this great conqueror. So some he was going to bring in the kingdom and Israel was going to be at the center of the whole thing, mm-hmm. which is going to happen one day, but not at that particular time. So, um, yeah. And that's exactly what happened when, when, when with us, when you are in that place of suffering and it looks like there's, this isn't it, this is, there's no help. This isn't, there's never going to be an end. Um, this wasn't what I was wanting. This isn't what I'm looking for. Um, how come nobody else has to go through this? All of these kinds of things. I'm losing opportunities in my life. I'm laying around here just, you know, you know, being beaten up by Satan. And, and it's, so the, tr- the, the test or the, the temptation in every trial, there is a temptation. And the temptation is to give up or to uh, get mad at God or, or, or whatever else you're, you're tempted to do. And then another thing, too, with that is, is there's so much introspection. Right. I mean, sometimes we just think, oh, man, what's wrong with me? What yeah. did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. How can I get my life lined up perfectly so mm-hmm. God will answer Help. my prayer? And then the other part of that is a false doctrine that says that God is mad at me because I've sinned and God is punishing me because I didn't keep the law perfectly. And so that's what the introspection is a lot of times about. We get very, we, we get very, feel guilty. We feel like, um, you know, we did something wrong. And so we do that super examining ourselves. And we're looking at our sin rather than the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so we're, we're still trying to find the fault. Satan wants us to find that fault for, for the suffering in something we did so that we will feel bad, guilty, ashamed, and Satan will get off the hook because he is the one, he is the one who starts this. He is the one who went to God about Job. He is the one who tested Peter, uh, having to see if he could sift him as a grain of wheat. He is the one who looks for every little flaw so he can go running up to the court of heaven and say, God, I have a right to, to steal this or take that or beat them up or give them this affliction because they are not perfect. And God doesn't require us to be perfect. God requires us to rest and trust and abide in him, and he will perfect that which concerns us. Yeah, suffering brings about that self-examination. Now, so, sometimes that can be okay. That's good. If there's something that God shows you, know, you, search me and know my heart, try mm-hmm. me and know my thoughts, mm-hmm. see if there be any, any wicked, wicked way, way in me, me mm-hmm. and lead me in the way everlasting. So 
there, there, there can it can be a time where we look at the, to the Lord and say, you know what, I need to repent. I need to change my mind. Forgive me. Heal me. That sort of thing. But then the part of it, it can go to seed the introspection, Mm -hmm. if I could say it right, Mm -hmm. will will go to seed where it's just, you're just condemning yourself. You're just, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you get into a place of of fear and self-pity and self-hatred and and hopelessness. You feel like, man, this is just not going to do it. And it's like, okay, I'm I'm trying, that mm -hmm, word (laughs) that people use, I'm trying to do everything just right, and this still is just going crazy. It's right. still going evil. So in other and words... Then it's like, okay, okay, if it isn't me, okay, it's the enemy. And then the the question that is asked in the Psalms so many times, the greatest question in the Psalms mm-hmm. is, how long, oh, oh Lord, Lord, how long? How long? Will this ever come end. to an end? Mm-hmm. And why is it so long? Why is this so long? Why are we... Mm-hmm. Um, in this place, well, the well, Lord God, gives God us ha- some perspective on that. Yeah, God has Peter. a purpose. There's suffering can come from, like we said earlier last week. I think it was doing, you know, from sinning, you know, doing, making stupid uh, decisions, believing lies. Actually, bottom line, you're believing a lie, and then you sin. Act according act to the lies. Act on it, yeah, and then you, you sin. Believe. And and so there's suffering for stupidity, suffering. But a lot of times, I mean, even when people are making bad choices, as we would say, they're they're being compelled or forced by something that is not them. As Paul said, I'm doing this, but if I'm not wanting to do this, it's not me doing this. So his volition, his will was not involved. But we, we don't see that we because we have created this false third kingdom in our minds, in our paradigm, that there's heaven, hell, and then there's this kingdom of me or uh, flesh, the flesh. Oh, the yeah, flesh. The, yeah, yeah. And and it's there's no flesh kingdom. There's no me kingdom. I don't have a kingdom. And Jesus was otherwise. What Jesus said when he said, "By their fruits you shall know them," he he would have that would have never worked to discern something by its its fruit. If there were three kingdoms, there's only heaven and hell. So you can easily put things into well, stress, hatred, self hatred, self condemnation, murder, violence. You know, all those things are from hell. But suffering is like something that can be used both ways. God uses it to refine us. He uses it to a temper, you know, you know, you could temper, uh, like if you're creating a, a frying pan, you, you have to temper that iron, you have to, or that steel, you have to make it strong. So you plunge it into the cold and then you plunge it into the fire You keep, and it gets tempered, it gets strengthened. So there's this testing is like a refining. It's like it burns off the dross. You know, when they put the heat under the silver dross with, you know, it burns, it separates the, the silver, silver from, from the, the from the debris and the silver f- comes to the surface and the silversmith knows that the silver is ready and purified when he looks into the, into the, into the vat and he can see his reflection in that. And so what God is doing is he wants to cause his reflection, the reflection of his son to be seen when he looks at you. And so it says we're, we're uh, conformed to his image. And so that refining is to get rid of everything that's fleshly, fearful, earthly, and just just be all Jesus. And so that's what refinement is. Um, it's to obtain or to prove uh, or, to pr- or prevail against the evil one. It's also to enter into the fellowship of his sufferings, as Paul said, gives us authority, gives us a right 
because we've died with Christ, we've been crucified with Christ, it now gives us an authority and a right to do what Christ told us to do, which is heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out devils, de- preach the gospel. So once you're dead, and of course, you think a dead man doesn't suffer, but somehow Satan has found a way for a dead man to suffer. <laughs> That's interesting to think about that for a day or two. Um, but he wants to provoke us. Satan wants to provoke and test the workmanship of God in you. And it says in many places, God is faithful to complete the work in us. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. He is responsible. The devil wants it to flip it and say, no, you're responsible. You need to be good. You need to try harder. You need to get your act together so God stops being mad at you. But Satan is the one behind all this provocation. And we need to understand that he is real and he is active. And this is a war. This is not a picnic. This is not a... Uh, this is this is the the war, the testing place, the, the suffering, the place of suffering. The, the the suffering that honors Christ is that when we enter into the what fellowship of His sufferings, in First Peter talk uh, uh, four thirteen it talks about rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's mm-hmm. sufferings, and uh, and then verse first part of verse fourteen there it says if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Here's the deal is that um, a lot of people suffer because of just the evil that they have, lies that they have believed, evil that they have allowed into their lives, evil that's come to them because of the evil of other people that has come to them through the generations or just, Mm -hmm. you know, they've been abused by a a parent, they've been abused by a spouse, they've Mm -hmm. been uh, attacked and maligned in every which way. But the sufferings of Christ are because we love the Lord. When you, we, the, a lot of times we think some people are, think they're suffering for Christ, but they're suffering for their own stupidity. And here's the deal: that the when you suffer you for Christ, mm-hmm. that's Jesus said, "Marvel not if the world hates you." I mean, if 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 they hated me, they're going to hate you. Mm-hmm. That's that's part of the fellowship of his suffering. Mm-hmm. If we if every Jesus said, "Woe unto you if everybody thinks well of you," mm-hmm. and so when you're attacked because you love the Lord, because truth is a threat to the lies of the enemy, when you live according to the truth and you live godly in Christ Jesus, Paul told Timothy, "You will suffer persecution." So uh, the thing is, there, there's a hatred, there's an animosity that a, the Satan stirs up in the hearts and minds of people against the truth, against those who against represent, the remnant re, of God's, those who yeah. represent mm-hmm. the truth mm-hmm. and live according to the truth, and yeah. that would be those of us who are true followers of Jesus Christ. And he also stirs up uh, hatred and, and animosity against the individuals as he can find fault with us through our bloodlines. And I, I heard a little teaching the other day that we come from, even with 12 generations back, covers 400 years and that in itself is 4,094 people, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, all the way back, 4,094 people that had to be alive, live, and produce a child over and over and over. To get to us. To get to us. Mm -hmm. And so all of their, um, you know, anything that's in their life that has not been brought into reconciliation with Jesus Christ can still be used by the enemy, even though you are righteous, you've accepted Jesus, you're following him. We are not ignorant of the enemy's devices or of his 
desperate schemes because those things are are technically under the blood of Jesus. Now, all their sins, you've accepted Jesus, you've been washed in the blood, and, and and, and yet we see many Christians, you know, there's something else that we aren't getting here. If you just say, well, we're new creatures in Christ, all things pass away, everything's new, everything's good. And yet we see many, many believers suffering very similar things in almost like patterns to what their people before them have suffered. They, they have the same physical illnesses. They have some of the same uh, dispositional, relational problems, um, financial problems. They, they keep losing inheritances, keep having car accidents, even after they're saved. And some of that stuff does cut down. I mean, there's a lot of it that just is taken care of by that the move of God's grace and, and salvation mm-hmm. in our life. But at the same time, we're not ignorant, I said, of the enemy's devices. So if Satan can find a place where there's still an unfinished business of bitterness, unforgiveness, uh, crimes, bloodshed in your bloodline, I have seen it thousands of times where he will bring that back against the believer because he's looking for a way to justify his own attack of us before the court of heaven by saying there's still sin in the bloodline. Well, of course, we know Jesus paid it all. The blood of the lamb covers all of that stuff. We're not guilty. We're not held responsible for their stuff. However, it seems that it continues to come down on on our heads. So what is the deal here? Well, the deal is that we have to enforce the true victory of the blood of Jesus at Calvary. We have got to say, you know what, Satan, you do not have a right to put this curse on me. You don't have a right to continue this pattern in my life. I've died. I've accepted Jesus. The blood of the lamb covers my sins. He is my righteousness. And you back off because what you're doing right now to try to stir up this problem is not okay. I rebuke you. I reject you. So Satan is trying to use the suffering, the unfinished business, the sins of the generations past. How many kids... I can tell you everyone has come into this world and has suffered from the sins of their parents uh, and, and their grandparents, every one of them. And you carry these sins and Satan uses these to try to identify you, to redefine you, to get you to believe lies about yourself. It's, it's, one of the bigger ones is sexual perversion. It comes through the bloodlines. It's an unclean spirit. You know, there's abuse, sexual abuse in the person's childhood. They didn't start it. They didn't ask for it. They didn't even know what it was. And all of a sudden, boom, there it is. And you will mark it down. That spirit of sexual uncleanness, perversion has been in their bloodline. And it's now showed up at the child's doorstep. The child, four, five, seven, eight, what years old, has no idea what they're up against. And they have no way to fight it. So what happens is they become overtaken with it. Now, at the point of salvation, they get forgiven. But they also have to remember then that whatever Satan did for, for to attack you in that area particularly or whatever other, maybe you're born with a spirit of rage. A lot of kids these days are actually being born with demons, spirits mm-hmm. of fear, mm-hmm. rage, rebellion, tr- uh, tantrums. They're out of control. These are things that they didn't do. They, 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 they were attacked. They were afflicted because something was permitting it in the bloodline that had not been dealt with. And you as a parent can take authority over those kinds of things to bind that spirit of trauma, terror, fear, tantrums, uh, rebellion. Look at their eyes and you'll be able to see what you're seeing. You know, it's not them. And yet we we try to discipline them or reward them or train them or change their behavior. And yes, we do need to understand how to teach them to walk in that righteousness. But the suffering that comes from all of these things are the sins, from the sins of the fathers. 
So what we want to do here to get rid of that suffering is forgive our ancestors for not doing their spiritual business of closing doors, forgiving, um, repenting, confessing, and the idolatry is another very big one that's coming down the bloodlines, making us vulnerable to all the lies of perversion. Yeah, it's like there's this uh, avalanche, as you speak of so often, avalanche of curses that come uh, upon us. All of us are under the avalanche or have been under the avalanche. We've been avalanched on, okay, (laughs) (laughs) buried Buried. (laughs) under that stuff. But the Lord comes and redeems us and that sort of thing. And also in, in Exodus 20, it talks about the blessings, the blessings that pass from right. generation to generation. Sometimes we forget about that, mm-hmm. that there are generational blessings. And mandates. There are Destinies. callings mm-hmm. uh, upon uh, blessings and callings upon individuals and families that have come from people who have lived godly, who have uh, repented and have uh, have prayed for their Mm-hmm. generations past and and so that's so why you see you the see, battle mm-hmm. you see you know mm-hmm. there might be um prophets in godliness and there's a tendency to godliness that can rise as well in in people's lives as well as a tendency to ungodliness well i believe that you're exactly right because hidden in the bloodlines also are the gifts the sp- the gifts of the holy spirit the gifts of miracles and prophecy and faith and, and uh, prophetic words and wisdom, all of these things are what Satan is trying to keep locked up. Because, you know, what, what if your family was called by God to, to do the work of an evangelist, to share the good news? Uh, and, and these kind of people oftentimes are the salesmen, the ones who can sell stuff. And, uh, but, but, you know, we don't see that as we're not looking for the calling of God in our bloodline. We're not looking for God to fulfill his plan and purpose through us in these 4,994 people that lived before us. They all lived and died to produce, you know, bring forth us. And we are here as the, on the, on the planet right now, the actors on stage. We're here the ones who can bring the, our bloodlines back to the foot of the cross. You have power to over, over 4,000 bloodlines and people because you have the the right to act on their behalf to forgive and to choose this this day as for me in my house house goes back a long ways we will serve the lord exodus 20 verse 6 it says uh god is showing mercy to thousands mm-hmm. thousands to those who love me and to who and keep my commandments so, so the courage that we have to have to be focusing on him and the suffering I believe can be a refinement. It can be a distraction. Um, and you know, the, the, the point of suffering is not to convince you that Jesus has abandoned you, that he doesn't love you, doesn't care for you, he's mad at you. You're sinning because you're, I mean, suffering because you sinned. The point of suffering is to cause us to be refined refinement and be more like Jesus. That's what it is because yeah, it's, it's like, um, you know, I think I, I've not been in the military, but I know there's boot camp and so forth. And um, they, what they do is they 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 break you down to build you up. You go through you go through all this you mm-hmm. go through all this suffering of boot camp. You don't get sleep. You run, run, run. You crawl through mud. You know, dodge bullets and crawl through mm-hmm. barbed wire. And so stuff. you're ready for the war. <laughs> yeah, you're ready for the war. Oh yay! It, they, they 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 put you in a mold so you when you're done. 
you know, you, the goal is to make you a, a, a fighting machine. A warrior. A, a warrior. Mm-hmm. Not, not to just tear you out and yeah. reduce you to nothing. So, yeah, so as we're looking at what God is doing in our lives, making us mighty warriors. He's making us warriors. He's, he's refining us. And it's like, oh, man, I really, a lot of times, we don't like say, oh, thank you, Lord, for all this suffering. We, we, we don't tend to... <laughs> Uh, respond that way because it's like it seems grievous it it seems horrible it seems like god this is just going the wrong way here but as as we keep looking to him as we keep trusting him no matter what that's one of the tests here is that we will trust him no matter what and it's not for god to see what's going on with us because he already knows what's going on with us Mm -hmm. but it's for us to see what's going on with us and and what's going on with him, and he is there not to uh, to break us and destroy us. Yeah, he's there to to make us and employ us mm-hmm. as warriors in his kingdom. Yes, it says, but rejoice to the extent that you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. We read this that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he's glorified. And then he goes on to say, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Do not get in trouble being a gossip or slandering or busybodying, of meddling. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, or I would say as a follower of Jesus, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. And then he says, for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? So this suffering is kind of like a refining process. Mm-hmm. It's separation. Your, you know, your intentions, your will, uh, your, what, what are you made of? It's going to be revealed. For if the, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? So this is a very severe sifting process. And we're gathering to the end here, the end of the age. The enemy knows his time is short and everybody is just pounding down suffering. But the last verse says, therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit them, their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. So we're some of we are we want to be the only way he want to be suffering is in the will of God. In other words, God has permitted it. God allowed Peter to be sifted. God allowed Job to be uh, refined. God permitted it. But then when Satan gets done with his move, God is justified in making his move. And his move is one of blessing and goodness. So we are going to commit our souls and our bodies to him in doing good. As to a, So this is where you anchor your hope is in the faithfulness of God. When you're suffering and you don't know if there's an end, you don't know how to get through the next day. You don't know if you have any more grace. You don't know. You're just weary, weary all the way through to the core of your being. You just say, okay, this is God's problem. God, you know, you're the one permitting this. Satan wants it, but you have permitted it for your own purposes, and I want your purposes to prevail. So, Father God, for those who are suffering today and, and, and just, just being destroyed by hopelessness, and is this ever going to end, or there's no end, or how do I get out of this, or there's no way for me to get through this. Lord, you are the way. Jesus, you said you're the way. So you're the way, the truth, the life. So whatever we need, the truth, the way, the life, you've got it and you've got us and you're totally aware of everything we're going through today. There's not one tear that we cry that doesn't get collected and put in the, the jars of heaven 
and God is going to wipe away all of those tears. So today, be encouraged, even if you can't read the word or if you can read it a little bit, get get some some tapes, get some of the word of God into you. That is your food. That is your life. And so, um, again, we want to just encourage you. By the way, um, just a couple of announcements. Probably should have said this at the beginning. Um, we're doing our, our A Setting Captives Free Intensive in uh, the Northwoods Camp and Salvation Army Camp. There are still a few spots open. If you want to come, you need deliverance, you need healing, you need to get your life set on the right direction. Come on up. Um, and it's a, it's a six-day, seven-day intensive. So you stay right there. We eat, we sleep, we cry, we pray, we learn all together in, in the power of God's Spirit. And so if you need more information on that, you can call us at 612-618-5947. Again, 612-618-5947. And then talk about doing relationships God's way. A lot of people, a lot of us suffer because of relationships that are bad. Can you uh, mention about that book? Oh, yeah, doing relationships God's way. That's what we're going to talk about. Well, people are, are and that also leads me to the conference we're going to be doing on March 25th called um, Dealing with Other People's Demons. Um, and it's about relationships. It's about how we are affected, afflicted, pulled into, and don't know what to do about people who are abusive, unruly, narcissistic, um, and or maybe we have to deal with some of our own spirit spiritual stuff first. So that's on um, March 25th at uh, the Valiant Church in New Hope. So the address is, uh, I think, on our website, 9020 Bass Lake Road. So come on, join us. It's free. It starts at 10. We go till about 3. Um, and so you're welcome to do that. And just a PS, a PS right now, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to do another workshop or another uh, broadcast in a few minutes, I think, on this. The rage and the fad of deliverance that's going on, that's just reaping and going through the land. So be aware not everything that says it's deliverance is actually God-ordained. Okay, God bless you guys, and we'll talk to you soon. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.